0: on this episode of Why Watch
1: That. She starts having visions and it all involves water. Okay. Is there something in the water? She's gonna go back (laughs) and burn that plantation down and let her people go. Okay. my people go. No. He was planning to move like somewhere else just for the woman that he loved from college. Did she love him back? Uh-oh. What's wrong with this dude? The ref hooked me up at the Nigerian Film Festival years ago, forced me into oh,
0: right did the
1: panel, <laughs> but I'm so glad. It was a great panel. Kuti and Chike were there. They were amazing. But he gets to one line in both seats and they both look. It's just so funny. And, <laughs> and the executive assistant was like, did you hear what he just said? Like, to somebody else. They're not taking this man seriously. So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch
0: That Talk. We're coming in at part two of our Sundance coverage. Why Watch That got a chance to virtually attend the festival. And it, like I said in the other uh, session, it is the premier fest- festival. And I don't mean premiere as in the top. I mean the first. Oh. <laughs> and it allows us to kind of get a whiff of what 2022 is going to bring us in terms of film and beyond. Yeah. So let's talk about a premiere mm. that you got a chance to see. Mm. It's a little, I mean, it's in and out one hour and 26 seconds or minutes, excuse me.
1: So it's not a
0: long, long, long. Maybe we want show. it to be
1: an hour, 26 seconds. Well, you only,
0: you <laughs> can tell us that I didn't get a chance to see it, but sharp, Stick mm. is what you saw. Yep. Is it what you saw?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. And this comes to us from Lena Dunham. Where has she been?
0: Where has she been? And this is a film, so you know it is.
1: So she's going back to her indie film roots. And in the cast, I mean, you got John Bernthal. Scott Speedman shows up. <laughs> In a oh role. My gosh. Lena's in it herself. Jennifer Jason Lee, Taylor Page, who was in Zola. Now she's in this. And I'll say why that's the case.
0: Okay. And Christine
1: Froseth is the lead playing Sarah Joe, a 26-year-old living in Hollywood with her mother, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, and her sister played by Taylor Page. Mm. Now The mother and the sister, I mean, they are grifters. Mama just wants some money. Sister wants attention online to get it. And mama's all about that. But Sarah Jo, she had an emergency procedure at the age of 15 that kind of stunted her turning into an adult, not physically, but mentally. So what happens is, She's hired to help a kid with special needs. She's very good at this. And the family that hires her, the married couple, is played by John Bernthal and Lena Dunham. Now, Lena's character is pregnant again. And, you know, John's character is, you know, kind of like a cool dad, fine. But is he getting the attention he wants? Oh, okay. Well, Sarah Joe is on a mission to have an awakening sexually. Okay. And who's gonna be the conduit?
0: We know that. We know this. <laughs> you might
1: know from what I said, but you don't know everything. Because I said oh. Scott Speedman is in it, among other people. Oh, you did. You did. Mm-hmm. A certain person from Growness uh shows up. I will tell you how that's connected. Right. Hey. Because she does start going online and she does start to fall in love with certain people online and so on and so forth. So I'm done with that. Now look, if we think about girls, and this is what I was thinking of as as I was watching this, Ref. The thing about girls was it had urgency whether you believed what you were seeing deserved it or not. And that's what Lena's work requires so that it doesn't just seem like it's about us watching her peculiar passions. Otherwise, you have to be on her wavelength. To me, the world of this film was incomplete. It didn't support who Sarah Jo is supposed to be. I didn't buy it. I didn't have interest in these people. Why should I? Now, if we think of films such as Secretary and again, Zola, again, Taylor Page starred in that, they're better examples of films that tackle some of the same themes, though certainly via different stories. They had better world building that kept me watching despite my discomfort. So I have to say this is a misfire. If you want to watch it, good luck. dull stick. Um, let's talk
0: about Resurrection, another premiere that was acquired by IFC Films. Um, gosh, IFC is to me such a New York staple because mm. there's an actual or was an um, I, it may still be there. Actual theater, yeah. Independent film, uh, is its game and in its name. So, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. IFC to me can really be so niche that it it doesn't hit my rate. Right, it doesn't hit me quite, yes. you know, with impact. But then sometimes they can come out with something brilliant. So, did they? What's going on here with
1: this acquisition? Exactly. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this stars Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. Now, we could stop right there.
0: I mean, you could literally just move on to the next
1: one. (laughs) (laughs) The movie. So if you imagine them together, that's this. (laughs) But what's going on? Well, Rebecca plays Margaret. Everything's in order for her. She even has this, um, like an intern at work who comes to her for help and, you know, she kind of helps her, but she's almost above it all. And she has a daughter at home who's about to go off to college. She's about to turn 18. You know, the daughter wants to be independent. She doesn't want the daughter to be so independent. And what happens is, upending her life, she sees a man from her past. Now, this man doesn't really see see her. They just end up like in the same symposium. She sees him from behind him. And she gets so panicked. I mean, as an audience uh, watching this, you're like, what is the issue? He's just sitting there. He doesn't even see you. She rushes out. She like runs to get to her daughter. Why? And you know who this man is played by, Tim Roth. Well, I mean, gosh, yeah. And she keeps encountering him. What's going on? Well, he has a message for her. Oh. They do have a past. I would tell you, but it would give it away. It is so well. strange, though, that you would go, what are you saying? What? <laughs> there's something that happened, a tragedy in their past. But he wants to tell her, no, that didn't really happen. What you think oh. happened is not really the case. And guess what? Your loss is what I have inside me. <laughs> okay, I
0: don't, whatever that means.
1: Look, can't make this up. Whatever uh, that means. So this just spirals out of control, of course. Now, look, Rebecca brings the urgency and Tim brings <laughs> the effortless creepiness. I mean, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> the rest of the cast supports this story, but it exists what purpose i don't know look there are limits even for me you have to be urgent but there are limits to the power of urgency i mean you have intelligent acting they know what they're doing okay so what like it's weirdness for weirdness sake that somebody somewhere is going to try try to add meaning to it's just crazy is it worth it not for me it wasn't quite worth it for (laughs) me but i guess there is somebody who will watch this and go i can't believe what i'm seeing well, I don't know. I mean, it is IFC. Now,
0: remember, IFC yes. is the niche of niche. Um, let's move on to well, Nanny. Well, they landed
1: in on this. I'm going to tell you that. Oh.
0: <laughs> let's move on to Nanny. Now, hmm. this is a U.S. Dramatic Competition entry. Nanny could mean a lot of things when it comes to sunday it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not Fran
1: Dresser. We'll just say that. No. It's the nanny. No, it is not that. <laughs> Definitely the opposite. And this won the U.S. Grand Jury Prize. So, okay. Okay. Now we have Aisha. Aisha's an undocumented nanny in New York City. She's from Senegal. Her young son is still in Senegal with a family member. And she's trying to work to get enough money to bring him to the States. Now, she gets a job as a nanny for a well to do couple. Now, Aisha's played by Anna Jopp, and this couple is played by Michelle Monahan. Oh, and Morgan Spector. And by the way, if you're going, who's Morgan Spector? Well, if you're watching Julian Fellow's new show on HBO that just. Brought-
0: <laughs> the Gilded Age.
1: He's in that. Okay. He's the young upstart rich guy who is taking over the railroad industry in that show. That's Morgan now. Okay. So they have a kid, of course. She's the nanny, all of that. But across the movie, she starts having visions, and it all involves water. What's the water about? Okay. Is there something in the water? What's the <laughs> meaning? And these visions, it makes her lose time. Now, if you a nanny. You don't really need to be losing time. (laughs) Also, she meets a young man at the same building where she works. And they have a little flirtation. What's that about? And he has a grandmother that she meets. Played by Leslie Uggams. It was so nice to see Leslie. (laughs) Leslie. And this grandmother knows things that she shouldn't know. Why? What's that about? What's she got to say to Aisha? So in the end, the question is, what is this all about? How does it all connect? And is Aisha going to be okay? Is everyone around her going to be okay? And what's going on with that couple that hired her? Mm. their marriage has some things to be worked out I'll put it that way now Mm. we got a lot going on here so you've got of course being separated from your kid but not only the separation and distance uh, you know also the separation when it comes to your connection to a child so we have that duality in this movie We got fathers and husbands and not-so-husbands and future husbands who have grandmothers. What's all of this? We got nightmarish visions that I talked about. But with all of that going on, there was a warmth here that I liked, personified by Anna, and that helped to ease me through all the different themes on display. I thought it needed to progress a bit faster. There was, again, a lot of ideas stuffed in here. It held back the momentum a bit when it came to the narrative. But if you're interested in this, it was a nice thing to watch for a first-time director, Nickyatu Jusu, who actually is a professor of film, I believe. So I would say, what I would think watching this is, if you're interested, if you saw Mother of George and like that, Atlantics and Candyman. Oh, okay. We keep bringing that up. We do. Then Nanny might be for you.
0: Well, let's move on to Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Mm. And this is a premiere. And uh, when I saw the cast of this, Mm. I thought, what is this about? I'm so curious. Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Uh, What is actually going on with this interesting title? (laughs)
1: So... (laughs) We have a prosperity preacher and his first lady. Mm-hmm. Played by Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall. Yes, she is. Regina Hall is doing double duty at Sundance. She sure is. And this ain't got nothing to do with master. No. <laughs> that doesn't. So there's a camera crew documenting the reopening of their church that's coming on Easter Sunday. So some of this is like a mockumentary. Yeah. You know, think almost like if it were real housewives set in a church. (laughs) There was a scandal. That's why this church needs to reopen. What scandal? Okay, involving Lee Curtis Childs. The (laughs) pastor. His wife is Trinity. That's her name. Well, are they going to be willing to tell us? How are we going to find out? And Because of this scandal, they shut down. Where did that congregation go? Well, there is a young upstart preacher couple. They have their own church, and maybe they're getting the benefits of the scandal. Mm -hmm. Now, this young little couple that's on the come up, doing double duty again here, let's not lose it. Is Nicole Bahari? Here she is coming again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, in her case, she's not just the first lady, she's also a preacher. Okay, she gotta get that dig in. All right. Thank so you. in the end, the question is: can they get their congregation back? Or will this young couple usurp? Do they deserve to get the congregation back? And what's gonna happen between the two of them as the scandal leaks out and the pressure builds? Are all the nerves going to fray? Now. This is a comedy? Yes. Okay. In part. So it's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, they had 25,000 people at their church. Okay. Hmm. I mean, maybe they got two. Oh. So this has all the trappings that you could want listening to it. It has the cast, but does it land? Is it funny? And is their insight. I found it obvious. I thought it needed to be sharpened when it woke up the movie. It was in a scene when that rivalry kicked into gear. When we had the two couples face to face, that was the movie to me. That was it. But it was just one scene. Now, that happened just under an hour into the movie. I wanted more of that nice, nasty. That's what they needed here, but that's not what this movie wants to be. Where is the truth and the satire? So what I would say is if you want to laugh at the ridiculousness of some people in the Black church, I guess you could watch it, but then you'd kind of feel uncomfortable for doing so. Uh, If you want just an exploration of this that's not comedic, but a little deeper, there's Come Sunday on Netflix it's definitely not the same, but there's more to ponder in regard to this world, in my opinion.
0: Well, let's move on to, <laughs> no, no pun intended, God's country. <laughs> yes. So we're, we're staying on that theme.
1: Completely least, different, yeah. <laughs> at,
0: but at least we're talking about title Oh Yes, yes. Um, this is also a premiere. What's going on with God's country?
1: Wow. So we have Tandy Wayne newton She's using a full name now. Okay, go ahead. You tell her. (laughs) And she plays a college professor. And, you know, she has tenure. And she lives out in the middle of a canyon. Now, she's grieving. Her mother's just died. She's got to contend with that. Now, living out in this canyon... You know, there's prime area for hunting around her. But this is her property. So two hunters decide, well, you know, we're just going to park on your property and hunt because it's convenient. What's the problem? She has a problem. She leaves them a note and is like, you know, mind not, you know, parking on my property. Do they abide by her wishes? Things start to escalate. Escalate to What? She involves law enforcement. Now, the person involved is the acting sheriff. What does that mean? Where's the real sheriff? What happened? There's a whole mess with that going on. It has nothing to do with her. But this sheriff is looking at her and kind of like, okay, you know, you live out in the middle of nowhere. There are, you know, certain ways we behave around here. You kind of need to work it out with them. I'm just one man. What am I going to do? She's like, but uh, you need to protect me. That's your job. Now, before she was a professor, who was she? Because as this escalates, she has this box of things. And inside the box is a little box. And the first time we see her look at it, she almost recoils. Because we're like, "Uh, you might need a gun or something or a weapon. She recoils from that box and gets something else. Why? So the question is, who is she? How did she arrive here? Where is she going? And who are these people in her way? Also, at the college, as this escalates, how is she treated? Because she's the lone Black professor. Now, what I would say is for a lot of this movie, ref, it was meticulous meticulous. And what I found really interesting is how she was at school and how she was outside of school. When she wasn't saying what she was thinking, it was the most interesting. There was a message in there. She has a colleague there in meetings with all the other professors. The colleague is kind of like, uh, if we want a new, you know, Professor, if we want to give tenure, we should consider these things. And She kind of smiles like that's That was very interesting. But as we go further into the movie, it started to be a little overwritten. There were moments where I was like, we didn't have to go there. We didn't have to. So that was the issue. There were just moments when you wish it was no talking or she wasn't saying exactly what you know she's thinking. But you want to know where it's going watching it? It's an expert slow walk, it's efficient, and it's unexpectedly and deceptively varied until the final third or so when it gets a bit too on the nose. Mm -hmm. This is what I would say. It's a thinking person's taken with an agenda. Well, whoa. Okay. Alice
0: uh, is another dramatic competition entry that you watched. This, we know, will be in theaters on the 18th of March. So, you know, we're going to see this rather quickly. Mm. Uh, It seems roadside attractions is a part of it. So we know them and we know what they bring to the table along with others who um, have attached themselves to it. What is going on with Alice?
1: (laughs) Um, So supposedly we're at 1800s, Georgia. We're on a plantation. Oh, boy. Kiki Palmer is starring as the titular character, Alice. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. She's a slave. Gaius Charles plays the man who becomes her husband. Now, if you're going, who is that? He was in the TV show Friday Night Lights, Smash. So we see them get married, all this stuff. And the slave owners played by Johnny Lee Miller, who was Sherlock in uh, elementary. And okay. So, you know, she's in the house doing the cooking and all of that. And we see what you would expect from a slave movie. Oh, boy. They are trying to escape, though. They want to get off this plantation. Somebody attempts. Do they succeed? As a result of that, Alice attempts and does succeed. And when she gets off the plantation, you know what she finds? A highway. Actually, it ain't the 1800s. It's 1973. Oh, boy. The ref just looked up like, what? (laughs) And this, they say, is inspired by true events. And the first thing she encounters on this highway, she don't know what a highway is. (laughs) is a big old farm truck driven by Commons character. Of course, she runs out in front of it on the highway. and he, Luckily, he stops. She passes well, out. Yeah. Brings her to the farm. Now, his brother owns a farm. And she's like, you're Black. Like, oh, they let you do this? You don't know where she is. So, because she was taught to read, she ends up at Common's place, she has some books like encyclopedias. She learns her history. <laughs> she also <laughs> encounters magazines with Diana Ross on the cover, you know. This is the time of black exploitation. So she sees Coffee Brown, you know, she sees the Pam Greer stuff. She gets inspired. She's gonna go back <laughs> and burn that plantation down and let her people go. Okay. My people go. No. Didn't we just have antebellum?
0: Yes, we did.
1: (laughs) So, you know, of course you're going to go, well, which one's better? Does it matter? The execution here, not quite good enough to land the brutality, which is a problem for a slave film. Yeah. And it's not the fault of the actors. Sorry, it was almost laughable. Almost. And that's problematic, to say the least. It was almost like there wasn't enough at stake. It was underdeveloped. There were beats that were missing to connect the dots. I was like, how do we get there? So it wasn't impactful. And then in other places, there were too many beats. I was like, can we move on? Like, it's not enough of the right stuff. Why should we be watching these characters exactly? Now, director and screenwriter Kristen Verlinden relies too heavily on the twists in the concept to keep us engaged. Because I was thinking, now, wait a minute. How do you maintain such a plantation over 100 years after the abolition of slavery? Okay, how does that work? Who's involved? How were the slaves kept in the dark about the world around them for so long? This one character who keeps saying to her when she's on the plantation, just look, look out there. <laughs> All right. And why do they continue to believe it's the 1800s? These questions aren't explored. It would have been more interesting if they talked about the conspiracy behind this. The dialogue was challenging. Commons character, mm. oh, this is what has happened. Kristen has achieved timidity with the incendiary, even as she delves ever so gingerly into black exploitation of all things. It's coming to you. You can do what you want with it. It was a big old mess, and if you make a big old mess of this kind of story, hmm.
0: Well, there you have that. I,
1: sometimes those things
0: are hard. But what isn't hard is the fact that Apple TV swiped in, came in again like they did last year. Um, mm-hmm. If you remember um, us talking about the movie Coda, oh. which was absolutely a thrilling, pleasant, beautiful experience for me. Yes, they were Apple, a- Apple able to acquire it. Mm-hmm. And we got a sense of their taste because I think it was one of their first acquisitions that you yeah. know we had and known they broke about records.
1: Apple was like, thank you. Everybody else is yes. down.
0: And r- speaking of breaking records, it also is nominated Coda for a last thing. We're not here to talk about Coda. We're talking about <laughs> Apple's second acquisition acquisition. Um, or uh, another, we'll say another acquisition at Sundance. And it's called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Ooh. (laughs) Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Star-studded cast. Like we said, Apple TV Plus acquired it already. We don't know when it's coming to us, but,
1: you know, what's going on with Cha-Cha Real Smooth? (laughs) Oh whoa. And this comes to us from Cooper Rafe, who wrote and directed it, who really made a splash, I believe, at South by Southwest not too long ago with I won't say it, Ish House. is the name (laughs) of the movie. Uh, Now, the title of that doesn't really give you the flavor of what Cooper does. He really just makes, you know, like college-ish movies that are kind of pleasant. So, what's going on with Cha-Cha Real Smooth? Well, Cooper stars in this as well. He plays a recent college grad who's, you know, directionless. He's 22. His name is Andrew. Before he gets a job, he goes to live with his mother and his stepfather, um, who he calls Stepdad Greg or whatever his name is. And the stepdad is played by Brad Garrett. So you could picture what that looks like. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, boy.
1: Yes. And Leslie Mann plays his mother. Now, his mother has a reputation with the other mothers in the town. Why? Because he has a younger brother who is at the age where you have bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. So during the summer, they're going to all of these parties. All these kids are coming to age. And he accompanies his brother because the mother can't go because of, you know, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Now, at the first party, he meets a young mother played by Dakota Johnson <laughs> Uh-oh. in one of the two movies she's in here at the festival now her daughter you know her daughter is not treated well by the other kids because she's on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. but the thing about Cooper's character is the thing about Andrew is he has a way of communicating Hmm. He ingratiates himself with this mother and with her daughter. And what he finds at the party is maybe he has a job in the offing. He can become a bar mitzvah party starter. <laughs> so this is somebody who gets the party going, you know, like an MC. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you know, he does, he just does this naturally at the party and the other mothers are like, "We're hiring you." <laughs> So across this summer, he encounters Dakota's character and the daughter at all of these parties, what happens? Because Dakota's character is engaged. Mm. Mm. Also, he was planning to move like somewhere else just for the woman that he loved from college. Did she love him back? Uh Oh, What's wrong with this dude? And in the end, what's going to happen? So What I would say is for Cha-Cha Real Smooth, and that's one of the songs if you don't know it that you'll hear in the movie. If you want to see an aimless, people-pleasing recent college grad be really kind to a fault with a couple of exceptions, like with his stepdad, he ain't so easygoing. Okay. I just wish the character, Andrew, would put more energy into himself and be less of a well-tended doormat, like come Mm -hmm. back down to earth but does he learn that? Mm. Does he learn that? I found it very easy to watch despite it being too long and it's lack of strong plotting. Like the plot is, <laughs> it's just, you're watching these people. I didn't mind. Yeah. So look, this is like, if you got a Saturday night where you don't feel like going out, you'll put this on, you can get some bonbons, maybe some hot chocolate, whatever. <laughs> and some just get Cheeto fries. Hot yes. Cheeto fries. There you go. There you go. Um, Genius. and it won the audience oh. award so yeah, just to did.
0: Say. yeah it did uh ye, ye. <laughs> genius a Kanye trilogy oh my god uh this is actually coming to us very quickly on Netflix yeah. mm-hmm. February 16th it was a premiere Yeah. um <laughs> what is going on here although we could Uh, we could probably take a wild guess yes
1: so this is the kanye docuseries on netflix ref it will be weekly because it's in three parts so you're not going to get it all at once now of course you can just wait and at sundays they gave us the first of three parts which was an hour and a half of course now this was another movie i watched with my brother this first act of 3 um, for kanye i was a huge kanye fan up until my beautiful dark twisted fantasy when um, i
0: met you you yes you were quite the kanye connoisseur
1: yes now 808s and heartbreak not my favorite in that times you know frame but everything else and my beautiful, dark, twisted, I think is one of the most brilliant albums. Just period. Okay. All right. All right.
0: I am not, for the record, such the quite the connoisseur, but mm-hmm. I respect. There's respect.
1: Yes. Now, Kanye's music after that, I just can't buy it. I'm sorry, Kanye. But Kanye is always fascinating. And what do we have here from Kuti and Chike, filmmaking duo, who you have met? Yes, I did and because was on a panel with them. <laughs> I was the ref hooked me up at the Nigerian Film Festival years ago, forced me into no, did I? The panel? <laughs> but I'm so glad it was a great panel. Kudi and Chike were there; they were amazing. And this was going on, I didn't even know. Yeah, Kudi and Chike. Now, what happens is Cootie met Kanye before he got a record deal. So they're all from Chicago. Yeah. Cootie was a comedian there. And he had this public access show where they would interview, you know, hip hop people. So this is how he got connected with Kanye. And he was thinking of the movie Hoop Dreams. If you haven't seen that documentary, I mean, hello. And he said, what if I followed this guy and he became big? Because there was something about Kanye. He was like, I think... It's going to happen. Now, Kanye was producing at the time. I mean, he'd already done yes. the whole Jay-Z thing. And he was already working on his first album, but he had no deal. Now, he expected to get it from Rockefeller. Did they expect to give him one? What was Dane Dash thinking? hmm Among others. So what we do at the very beginning is we see him in 2020 when he's about to run for president. <laughs> My, 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 my. Can, can,
0: is, did that exist? Yes, it
1: did. <laughs> 2020 and we is we see just him like, on the what? phone, like, negotiating <laughs> and talking about, you know, I got Cootie here who's been following me. We got to work his contract out. And then we go all the way back to, again, when Kanye was producer Kanye, that's what people wanted him to be. And they start leading you up to 2020. Now, what Cootie also does is because... Cootie's got to tell us how this came to be. He starts telling a part of his story in tandem, who he was, how this came to be, where he's going, why he had this connection with Kanye. Because keep in mind, uh, through the wire, the video, Cootie and Chike directed. Yes. So Chike wasn't partners with Cootie when Cootie started filming. Yeah. So what you see is what Kanye's been telling us. They weren't respecting this man. I mean, he goes into Rockefeller. They just bum rushed them one day. Now he had a relationship with them, so he gets in. Yeah. yeah. But he had no appointments because he's trying to, he's trying to get them to sign him. He brings um, he brings all falls down and is playing it. And you know, we we're like, oh my, you know. And it sounds close to the real thing. It's not exactly the same. He got Lauren Hill singing on it. He's in these people's offices, the marketing, the executive assistant, rapping. And they're kind of like paying attention. But he gets to one line in both scenes and they both look. It's just so funny. And, <laughs> and the executive assistant is like, did you hear what he just said? Like, to somebody else. They're uh, not taking uh, this man uh. seriously. Now, he already had, you know, most deaf and to live quietly. You know, all of this stuff was in the offing. So we also see Another highlight for me in this first part was him with his mother. Oh, it almost broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. Because we know what Kanye's mother meant to him. And when you see it, like their relationship is special. I could watch a documentary of just the two of them, to be honest. And it's not even that they are like high entertainment. There's a sweetness to it. That's not overly done. It's just real. I mean, it's a documentary. I think that Cootie really did a great job here getting this with Chike, directing with him. I want to finish this. I can't wait to do that with my brother on Netflix. My brother loves Kanye like I do. If you are somebody who wants to see this from Kanye, if you have any interest in Kanye whatsoever, I would say definitely watch this. Well, it took me back 20 years.
0: I mean, come on. Yeah. Tell me how it works out. Um, <laughs> but I do support um, Cootie. And, I mean, they're yeah. just wonderful humans, yeah. uh, you know, along
1: with I, I'm I'm sure, just a so lot them. I'm so proud and happy for them. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. Am I OK? Right. I don't know. But that's the title <laughs> of the next <laughs> the next uh, premiere that was acquired by Warner Brothers. Mm. A.K.A. HBO Max at this point. HBO Max is coming for you. So Mm -hmm. they've got a lot of wonderful content and they were able to add, am I okay? So can you tell us if
1: this is okay? Oh, Now this is the other movie that Dakota Johnson is starring in. Who's having quite, I mean, the
0: lost daughter, you know, she's having quite... Uh, uh, an artistic breakthrough, shall we say? She's yeah. really making a name for herself.
1: Yes, she is. Because don't forget who our parents are. Who are her
0: parents? Does it even matter at this point? She.
1: Yeah, Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson. And when I look at her, I always see Melanie Griffith. I always think of Working Girl for some. I. I and this is good. I love Working Girl, and I love oh, Melanie okay. Griffith in Working Girl. Like I could watch Working Girl anytime. time. Um, anyway, I'll come back to her. So in am I OK? Now, this is co-directed by Tig Nataro. So you're gonna get that kind of cool sensibility of Tig's uh, directed with Stephanie Allen as well. And it's written by Lauren Pomerantz. And I think it, it a part of it is inspired by Lauren's own experiences. So we have two best friends, Lucy and Jane. Lucy's played by Dakota. Jane is played by Sonoya Mizuno. And there is about to be a change in both of their lives. Now, Lucy, you know, she dates guys, but nothing really happens. She doesn't really get any good feelings. She never has from it. She's just going through the motions. Who knows what's happening in her life? She's like a receptionist at a, uh, you know, a massage therapy place and, you know. Now, at her job, she meets a new masseuse played by Kiersey Clemons. And this masseuse is kind of like, oh, I love Lucy. She says this to Jane, you know. What does she mean? And how does Lucy feel about that? Now, Jane's career is about to take off. And she's offered this opportunity to go back to where she is from England. Open up the office there, promotion, more money, and so on. And she has a boyfriend played by Jermaine Fowler. So if you know Jermaine, he's a comedian. Uh, He was in Crashing, one of my favorite shows. And here he is. And he does his, he had one line Ref, um, uh, Look, he had one line. It was so funny. I really love that. And I know he ad-libbed it. Okay, only a black person would have said that, and and it's a black person who saw a specific movie. I'm not going to tell you, Mm. but anyway. So, what's that relationship about? Because Jane is just like we we are moving over there. Are they? Are they? Mm. Now he's an easygoing guy, so maybe they are. But back to Lucy and Jane. So, what happens is Lucy goes. Well, maybe I don't really like. Guys. Mm. But I mean, you know, she's around like 30. Like, what is this going to be like? And she's not somebody who's a go getter. So Jane is like, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to go out there. You need to experiment. Let's get it going. That's not Lucy's personality. So, is there going to be a strain on this relationship? And how can she explore whether this is the case for her or not? What's the truth? Does it even matter? Am I okay Mm -hmm. is what she wants to know because she can't really figure out what the problem is. Now with all of that said, this had a nice light conversational flow to it, which I enjoyed for Dakota. Dakota is chill, but she listens Mm -hmm. and is interested and somewhat awkward. And I always like her vibe. Like she's always present, like starting with the peanut butter Falcon, which is the first time I saw, I did not see in that, in that movie. I know what y'all thinking. No, I did not. I still won't watch it. I'm not interested, but that was the first time I saw her. And when she was looking at Shia LaBeouf, it's she, I just like that she, she knows how to be on camera and kind of not care. Mm -hmm. So I just love her vibe. You mentioned all of the movies she's in. Completely different, but the same kind of feel. I just really enjoy what she's been doing. So I would say if you're interested in this, I talked about in the past, Easy, a TV show on Netflix. Yes. From Joe Swanberg, his kind of stuff. Kiersey Clemens is in Easy. If you like that kind of stuff, or if you want a more commercial sort of duplast thing, am I okay? 892, this, God's Country, toward the top of Sundance for me. Well, we're not done yet
0: because we're we need to talk about Emily, the criminal. (laughs) This is a premiere that you also got to see. There's no pickup yet as of taping. Mm. Um, But uh, by the the sounds and the huffs and the puffs, I'm sure you've got an opinion
1: and a take on Emily, the criminal. I'll just say the list I just gave you at the top of Sundance, you can put this at it right up there with those other three. Then maybe Cha-Cha is living after that and Master. You know, we could go on down. Emily the Criminal stars Aubrey Plaza. Now, if you know Aubrey Plaza, you go, what is this going to be? She was in the TV show Legion. Okay, yeah, her. Mm. In his head. Mm. Now, she plays Emily, who is a criminal. Now Emily has a lot of student debt. She <laughs> went to school, and she left school. She didn't have she doesn't have a degree, but she got the debt. She also has a record. Why? So she can't get the right job to pay off the debt. She tries. But if you go into a job interview, you may not want to lie just saying, "Jess." Now she does have a friend that she went to art school with whose career is taking off. Can this friend help her? Is it possible? She's Emily, the criminal. <laughs> now what happens is, cause she does have a job where she, it's like a, uh, like almost Postmates. She delivers the food to people, but you know, they deliver like to big accounts. So one of her coworkers, she does him a solid. And he says, okay, because of this, I'm going to hook you up. Call this number or text this number. And you can make like $200 in like two hours. She does. When she gets there, it's a criminal enterprise. They steal credit card numbers. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they get people to go purchase something quickly before it's flagged. So you got to get something. If you bring it out and do it, you get your money. Now, when she walks in, they like, where's your driver's license? Hmm. Who, who, who uh recommended you? Who is it? They call the person. Oh. And the guy starts going through what this is. And he's like, look, if you don't like it, you can leave. That's fine. Oh my. But Emily asks a question as she's leaving that gives one of these guys pause. Now, of course, she goes through with it after this. And this guy is played by Theo Rossi, who, if you saw him, you go, oh, I've seen that guy before. I've seen him. So this leads into more and more opportunities for Emily. Bigger and bigger scores. Why? And what is this guy who's taking this interest in her, what's he up to? What's his ultimate goal? Because he's in this business with a cousin. And the cousin doesn't have the same opinion about Emily. So can she make enough money to get out of debt and move on? Is there any way that she'll have a legitimate job that pays? There is somebody who's connected to her friend, played by Gina Gershon. She's the boss. When they meet, what's that like? Mm. And where does this end? Does the title tell us what the ending is? Well, I won't give that away. Now... Aubrey Plaza don't play. She ain't playing here. I don't think she ever going to (laughs) play. I bought her as Emily. I bought everybody in the movie. I would put it this way. It's an indie Tony Scott, if you think of his movies. So if you think of Tony Scott stuff and you go indie, it's kind of like that, like Tony Scott stuff, maybe with Denzel. Now there are fewer bells and whistles, which is a good thing. It's steadier. So it's not as crazy as all of that stuff we got, but the kind of feel to it is here. Was it absolutely perfect? No, but I was, I was paying attention. I was with them. I was interested, and I thought that they did a great job with this movie.
0: Well, let's end this Sundance experience for 2022 mm-hmm. with palm trees and power lines. Now they don't seem to mesh. <laughs> at least out here in California. So, <laughs> But this was um, also uh, with in competition with the U.S. Traumatic, at least. Yeah. And you got a chance to see it. Now, you put it last on this list.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, the order of all these movies, so everybody knows, is the order of how they premiered at Sundance. So it's not the order outside of that. This is Sundance's order. Yeah, okay. And this won the directing award for the U.S. Dramatic Competition. We started this part, ref, with sharp stick. And now we're ending it with this. And uh, we have Leah. She's 17. It's the summer. And she's played by Lily McInerney. And I believe this is Lily's <laughs> first film. And her mother is played by Gretchen Maul her mother doesn't really pay attention to Leah. She wants her out of the house, it's the summer, all of that. Go get a job or do something, go be with your friends. Cause her mother has boyfriends to tend to. And her mother's the kind of mother that Leah says, look, when she has a boyfriend, she doesn't pay attention. When she doesn't have a boyfriend, she's all up in my stuff. So Leah's with her friends. She has a best friend and you know, they kind of do what you do in the summer when you're a teen, which is nothing. You know, drugs, you hang out with people. Who cares? There's a group of of boys that they hang out with, and what's that like? You can imagine. Two girls with, like, four boys. Okay. Mm. And they're at like a diner-type place, and, you know, it's time to pay the bill. What happens? You can imagine. Is Leah down with what happens? Not quite. But at this diner, she sees a man... Played by Jonathan Tucker. And he sees her. As Mm. he leaves, he gives her a little wink. Oh, Now, when they try to get away without paying, she doesn't quite get away. But he's there. And his name is Tom. And he saves the day. Mm. Now, he has to ensure that she gets home safely. But is she comfortable getting in his truck? Mm -hmm. what's that like and over the course of the movie he starts to ingratiate himself to Leah, how and they develop a relationship and we find out he's twice her age, literally 34 Mm. and she's 17 now this is a great thing, I mean this is like the love of her life Mm. what's she to him, what's he up to is this a Lolita type thing or does he have other goals in mind? Mm. Mm. This is what I'll give them. They seem like people, like these characters seem like people. It's a document of how a 17 year old gets groomed by a 34 year old who has that particular goal in mind. The signs are there if you pay attention, but she's swept away. But there's no urgency to the narrative there has to be something at stake at all times. So I don't know why I need to see this. Again, I mentioned Lolita. Last year, we had Red Rocket. I mean, how many times are you going to do this story? If you're going to do it just like I was talking about when it came to Alice, a slave movie, well, (laughs) you're going to have to really clear the bar here. So I was just watching this instead of being connected to it, which would have made it actually much more disturbing But that might be the point. I don't know. So that's Palm Trees and Power Lines. You know, if it comes to you and you are brave and you want to see this, you can. You will get some reality out of it. There you go.
0: Well, that's it for our 2022 Sundance coverage. We enjoyed the festival as we do every year. Hmm. And uh, we can't wait for some of these movies to release so that you too can enjoy them in the comforts of your own home, or if you choose to venture out either way, keep tuned right here at Why Watch That. We promise we'll go all over the world to find the best, even if we have to stay at home ourselves.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening. For additional resources,